Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tarot for a Troubled Time, the podcast in which we reflect on our experience of living through the COVID-19 pandemic using the cards of the tarot. I'm your host, River Rose. So I'm warning you right now, it's a busy night here in Brooklyn, and I hope you don't find the roar of the traffic too disruptive. I want to once again start out with an expression of gratitude. Whether you've been listening since we started last month in July of 2020, or whether this is the first episode you're tuning into, I want you to know that I appreciate you. We now have listeners in eight U.S. states, New York, Oregon, Mississippi, Washington State, Florida, Maryland, Illinois, and Virginia in two Canadian provinces, Ontario and Quebec, in the south of England. Did y'all hear that noise? It's crazy. Bristol and Bath, and in the United Arab Emirates, Dubai. I do want to acknowledge that I've started doing ads for the podcast, which you may hear as part of this or other episodes. I hope that if you hear an ad, It doesn't include a motorcycle like the one you're hearing right now, and I hope you don't find it too intrusive. I can tell you that I will not include ads for products or services that I don't support, and I invite you to check out our sponsors if they grab your attention. Again, I'm grateful for your attention, and I hope you enjoy the show. Before we get to our reading for the week, I want to, as I usually do, recap some of what's been happening in the world. On August 6th and 9th, we marked the 75th anniversary of the detonation of atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. The bombings were one of the final acts of large-scale violence in World War II and were carried out by the United States with the support of Britain. The bombings killed by various estimates over 200,000 people and devastated Japan who surrendered a few days following the attacks. I won't relitigate the complex conflicts and machinations around the end of World War II, but I will mention that these bombings remain to this day the only incidents of nuclear weapons being deployed in an armed conflict. I mentioned this anniversary because last week, the city of Beirut also suffered a massive explosion, which to many witnesses resembled the explosions that happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The causes of the explosion are not yet 100% clear, but what triggered it was the fact that 2,000 tons of ammonium nitrate were being stored without proper security measures in the port of Beirut a port which now no longer exists. The blast was felt over an area of 150 miles, and at the time of recording, it is estimated that over 150 people have died, over 6,000 people were injured, and that 300,000 people are now homeless. It's hard to wrap your head around these numbers. One thing that helped me to understand the magnitude, and I'm not suggesting that you do this, please do whatever feels right for you, was watching some drone footage that the BBC shared of the area affected by the explosion. It is absolutely devastating. 
All of this is more than any one community can take. But what makes this event even more catastrophic is that Lebanon was already suffering from a severe economic crisis, from political instability, and of course, like the rest of us, it was dealing with COVID-19. The pressure from all of this is unbearable, and in the aftermath of the explosion, the people of Beirut have taken to the streets to demand that the government step down. These protests, as you can imagine, in the face of such desperation, have resulted in violence. It is going to take a massive international effort to support the people of Lebanon through this difficult moment. And given the levels of international collaboration we've seen with COVID, which have been inconsistent at best, I hope that we're able to summon up the best in ourselves to help the people of Lebanon because they're going to need it. And given the scale of this crisis, they can't rebuild on their own. This was a long-winded and yet oversimplified description of what's happening in Lebanon, and I focused on it to make this point. In order to overcome the challenges that we're facing as a species, disease, conflict, economic insecurity, even climate change, it's going to take unprecedented levels of international cooperation, something that is sorely lacking at the moment. It is in moments like this that wealthier, more powerful and influential countries like the U.S. can lead and should lead. And given the current quote-unquote president's mantra of America first, his transactional approach to diplomacy, if you can call it that, and his blatant disregard for humanity, it has become impossible to have the type of international response that although was flawed in the past, was possible before the election of 2016. Speaking of the US, this week we surpassed 5 million cases of COVID. Parents and educators are now grappling with the intractable challenges around returning to school, which I won't get into too much detail about, uh, and that already is seeing some casualties. Did you see, for example, the photos of the high school in Dallas, Georgia, which showed students crammed into hallways? Not only have at least nine people come down with COVID at that school, but the student who shared the photo was also suspended. At the time of the recording, mind you, the suspension has been canceled. Given the magnitude of the events of the week and the anniversary of the Japan bombings, I've been reflecting a little on the past and present on events big and small. I've been thinking about it all through my own tiny lens because you see, this week I'm going to be celebrating 20 years in the U.S. and more specifically in New York and more specifically in Brooklyn. And so I've been thinking of the roller coaster of history which in turn is reflected in the roller coaster of each of our lives. I should pause here and say that I consider myself to be extremely privileged in what I have and with what I've been given compared to what many in this world have access to. But like everyone, my life has had its ups and downs. I arrived here at the end of the Clinton administration. Within less than a year, the U.S. had lived through the contentiousness and turmoil of the 2000 presidential election, then through the attacks of September 11th, which I experienced up close as I was working in downtown Manhattan at the time. 
I watched New York City be devastated and I watched it rebuild itself. From there, we went through wars, which unbelievably have not entirely ended, a catastrophic financial crisis, the election of the first African-American president, which will forever signify a moment of hope for a country that was born in the violence of slavery and genocide. We then saw a solid economic recovery take place through many domestic battles and victories, including the passing of marriage equality in all 50 states and repeated failed attempts at passing national laws to reduce gun violence. Then, of course, in 2016, we saw the election of our current quote-unquote president, whose organizing principle, so to speak, is sowing hatred and division, and of course now, we're living through the coronavirus, or at least, if we're lucky, we'll be living through it. In a way that is not so different than what we're seeing now in Beirut, the human and economic casualties of COVID the lockdowns, the political pressures, and the violence on the part of institutions have resulted in protests and fear and tensions and uh, just a big fucking mess. My point is, societies experience many events and periods that go down in history, and in our small way, our day-to-day lives, in a much less visible way, match those big events as well. For myself, I came here 20 years ago as a newly married person with a growing career. I finished a PhD in the first year that I was here, but I too was impacted by those big events. The loss of friends and co-workers after September 11th, immigration stresses that were exacerbated in post 9-11 America. I also experienced career changes and unemployment. And in my personal life, I experienced divorce and other emotional heartbreaks, but I'm still here. And given that you're listening to this, you're still here too. So I've been thinking if we manage to stay alive, particularly in dangerous times, something which, by the way, we should never take for granted. At a certain point, we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with this life that we have while we have it? This is a question that nags at me often, and so I think you'll see it come up throughout the podcast in different ways. Without getting too deeply philosophical or spiritual with this question, I want to simply say that in this world of ours, there are things that we can change, and there are things we cannot change. The Serenity Prayer, which was written during the Great Depression by American theologian Dr. Reinhold Niebuhr, pleads with an almighty spirit. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You might recognize Dr. Niebuhr's prayer if you're familiar with 12 Steps program like Alcoholics Anonymous, as they have adopted the prayer as a sort of mantra. So where am I going with all this? Well, as I was thinking what to ask the tarot cards this week and I was reflecting on past and present and how we live out our joys and sorrows against the imposing backdrop of history, I landed on this issue of what we can do about conflicts, injustices, and tragedies in history that maybe together we can change or at least whose effects we can mitigate. And given the current political climate, I thought it appropriate to think in terms of saying no to oppression 
and abuse and injustice. Hence my question for this week. How do we rise up? In addition to having the connotation of resisting and rebelling, I like the use of this phrase because it suggests a re-emerging from the depths, a transcending of some kind. And in a moment when it feels like we're being dragged lower and lower and lower, emotionally, economically, ethically, and even physically, I think the phrase is appropriate. And I also thought it was appropriate to ask the question in the plural, because I think that to get past the crisis that we're currently in, we're really going to have to work together. So once I had the question, I decided to do a three card reading that's a little different than the ones we've done so far, a body, mind, spirit reading. Rather than laying the cards out side by side, left to right, I made a little pyramid with the cards. The card at the top represents the body. I put this above the other two cards because even though we might think that our minds rule our attention and our thoughts and even our identity, often our thoughts are actually triggered by things that are happening in our body. This sounds counterintuitive to Western sensibilities with our fondness for the Cartesian, I think therefore I am vibe. But so much of our wisdom comes from inside our bodies. And when our bodies are not functioning as we're used to, it affects our emotions and our thinking and our ability to act. Just ask anyone who's recovering from a severe case of COVID. Underneath the body, I place two cards. And here comes the ambulance. The one on the left is the card of the mind, representing our intellect, our thoughts, our left brain. And the card on the right represents our spirit, our emotions, our imagination, our creativity, and whatever indefinable part of you, you believe connects with and responds to the rest of the universe. So once I had the question and the spread, I drew three cards and I got the two of pentacles reversed, the Ten of Wands, and the Three of Swords. So, the Two of Pentacles reversed, the Ten of Wands, the Three of Swords. This combination is so interesting because despite the different suits and the different numbers, a two, a three, a ten, there's a common thread with all these three cards, which is that there's a degree of struggle or weight or burden involved in the meanings of all three. As an aside, there's also something eerie about this combination of cards for me. I've been having an ongoing conversation about tarot with a friend and fellow podcaster. His name is Marco Timpano, and you can find him on Twitter at, at Marco Timpano and on Instagram at, at the real Marco Timpano. I was on one of his podcasts recently talking about the tarot. Uh, his pos this podcast of his is called The Insomnia Project which is also on Twitter, at Listen and Sleep, and on Instagram, at The Insomnia Project. And for a while now, he and I have been talking about the meanings of the cards and the use of the cards, IRL, as they say. As we've been discussing different challenges we are each facing, I've been pulling cards for him and suggesting he meditate on them. Well, what's weird is the last three cards I've pulled for him have been in this order, the Two of Pentacles, the Ten of Wands, and the Three of Swords. The same cards that I pulled for us tonight. 
I pulled the first two intentionally for him and suggested he meditate on them in a moment when we were talking about overwhelm and dealing with too many things at once. But then more recently, the Three of Swords came up randomly, so to speak, when I pulled a card for him. Now, we don't have too much time to get into the details about recurrences in tarot. That is to say, what does it mean when the same cards appear over and over and over? I wanted to actually remove the variable of recurrence from this podcast because I wanted to go over every single card with all of you and to see what order they came out in over time if we drew every single card. So to achieve this, every time we do a reading together, I set those cards aside and work the following with week with the cards that are left. But lo and behold, life forced a recurrence of these cards, all challenging, all indicating the managing of a burden in a way, I don't know. And since these cards are repeating themselves, the first thing I'd like to say about this reading is that I think we're being asked to really pay attention because the cards are repeating themselves, at least to me. Now remember, The Two of Pentacles came up first, and it represents the body in this reading. The Two of Pentacles in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck shows us a human person, presumably a male, but maybe not, juggling two golden coins. He is also on one foot, and in the background we see a C, S-E-A, with huge waves and two boats sailing remarkably well on top of the waves. There's also either a sheen of some sort or a cord around the two coins, which probably symbolizes the repetitive action of juggling. And this sheen or cord is in the shape of an eight or an eternity symbol. The person's repeated action with the juggling echoes in a small way the epic waves on the sea, up, down, up, down in perpetuity. The deck we're using for our tarot journey, the modern spellcaster's tarot, depicts a similar scene. The only things I'd add are that there is no eternity symbol on the card, but there is a yin-yang symbol on the juggler's hat. Oh, and there's a dog with literally a doggy bag in his mouth coming into the scene, presumably to bring the juggler something they can use. Appropriately enough, the tarot is giving us a body-centric card, a card in the suit of pentacles, the suit of earth and of material things, including the physical body. Normally, the card represents the juggling of many things we need to handle in life, multitasking the ups and downs which we can navigate even in difficult times if we can stay focused and treat the juggling like the game that it is. But reversed, this card is reminding us that our bodies are under strain, maybe more strain than we can handle. And it is very possible that we might drop a ball or all the balls. And doesn't this accurately reflect where we are right now as we consider how we can rise up? Our bodies are under threat and under stress. Our finances are under strain. And as we continue to try to juggle on a beach, boats are sinking and crashing into rocks in the distance. In other moments, what we're currently dealing with could help us to thrive or make us feel really productive or like we're having fun. But right now we might be struggling to handle it all with ease. We feel like we're operating in chaos or to continue to use the story in the card, like we're juggling in a hurricane. The remedy to that, of course, is to slow down or perhaps to stop. But then how do we rise up? 
Let's go to the next card, the mind card, the 10 of wands. As I think I've mentioned, 10 represent the end of a journey in the tarot and the wands are the suit of fire. In the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, the person in the 10 of wands is carrying 10 very large, very heavy sticks. He is walking away from us and on the horizon, we see what appears to be a town, presumably the person's hometown. In the modern Spellcaster's Tarot, the figure is carrying the sticks on a country road, and we can see that he's actually dropped some sticks because the load was just too heavy. While he looks like he's straining and not entirely balanced, he appears to be taking a huge energetic stride. And I assume that he's collected this load to take home so that he can use the sticks to light a fire that will provide warmth and sustenance for his community. Like the juggler from the Two of Pentacles, this figure too is feeling the burden of what he's carrying. But the 10 is telling us that he's reached a destination that is going to allow him to lay down his burden. The energy and the heat of the wands combined with the 10 give us the message that we must transcend. We must transform the burden of our minds into light. We must find a way to release the pressure of it because the pressure cannot continue. Now, the card of the spirit in this reading is the Three of Swords. That's the card of heartbreak. In both the Rider-Waite-Smith and the Modern Spellcaster's Tarot, we see a cosmic depiction of a giant disembodied heart that is being pierced by three swords. In the center of the heart is a triquetra on the Modern Spellcaster's Tarot, the ancient three-pronged symbol that has appeared throughout the centuries in the East and in the West to represent a, retire a variety of eternal or transcendent cycles of life including the lunar cycles, the cycles of the goddess, and the holy trinity. This heart in the modern Spellcaster's Tarot is not depicted as the pretty, symmetrical, Valens Day card type heart of the Rider-Waite-Smith, but as a fairly anatomically correct, presumably human heart. The heart is floating in a dark, starry sky, and there is some kind of a star or a supernova, a giant star, radiating rays of light and heat underneath it. In the context of our question, I think this card is reminding us that pain and suffering are universal, that we are not in our struggle alone, and that it is only if we ignite our empathy and our compassion for others that we can transform our personal pain into something meaningful. Now, a three in the tarot reminds us of a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts. It reminds us that when you unite with others, when you collaborate, you can create something a little more, something a little larger than you can possibly create on your own. Something a little larger than a two. So what is all of this telling us? Notice the echoes in the cards, the burdens, the discomforts, the ups and the downs, the waves and eternity, the big and the small, and even the three whose triquetra mimics the shape and the number of the spread that we created, body, mind, spirit, all in a pyramid. What this is suggesting is that in this moment of crisis, there's opportunity for transcendence. This is a moment in which we do in fact have the opportunity to rise up, rise up above our personal pain and to come together for a larger cause. But as I say, we must do it together. We're living through a moment that future generations will study. It really is overwhelming. 
We may all be small, we may all be struggling, but we are characters in the history books of the future. We are the ancestors of generations to come. This is both overwhelming and affirming, and it is what prompted this week's question. How do we deal with all of this? The cards are telling us that yes, we're living against this epic backdrop, but we need to pace ourselves. We need to deal and take action slowly and day to day. Action is definitely required, but we can't afford to spin our wheels. We actually have a lot of thoughts and ideas right now as to what we can do to rise up, but we each have to choose something to focus on. We have to be focused. And I think the filter through which we need to make our decisions in this area is our love for the collective, for the whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. Now, going back to the fact that these cards have recurred across readings I've done with different people, first with my friend Marco and now with all of you, I'm tempted to say that the themes of these cards truly are calling to all of us in communities big and small. Slow down, focus, and join forces with others. We can't carry these burdens we have right now all alone. We have to work together we have to rise up to tackle all the things that are causing heartbreak on a massive scale. Our focus can be what we each want it to be, whatever most grabs our attention and brings out our empathy. Some of our actions need to suit who we are. We can protest if we feel like we want to. We can use social media if it suits our personality. Or we can pressure our political leaders if we follow politics. And I think we all should, by the way. And others really need everyone to make them work, like voting and like wearing a fucking mask. All of this can be part of our uprising, a collective transcendent effort to relieve the pain that is all around. Well, that's all I have for this week's reading. I hope you got something out of it. I'll share the cards we pulled today on Twitter and Instagram. My handle on both those platforms is at CallMeRiverRose. And if you have questions, comments, and suggestions, you can also email me at IamRiverRose at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, I encourage you to leave me a rating and a review wherever you listen to this podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Be well, take care. Oh, and remember... A rising tide lifts all boats.